Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Across this series, we've heard a lot from people missing a relative, whether it's a mother, father, child, even a sibling. The feeling of loss, the unknowing, the desire for answers, it's something that can tear a family apart. But the same is true for best friends. If your closest friend disappeared tomorrow, how would you react? What would you do? Would you be able to move on? This episode explores the baffling disappearance of Karen Milsom, a British lady who was living in rural France when she vanished without a trace. Where could Karen have gone? What may have happened to her? And will Karen ever come back? These are the questions that not only trouble her family, but also her closest of friends. Just let us know that you're okay, that you're safe. We miss you, we miss you desperately. We just need to know that you're okay. I'm Pandora Sykes, and you're listening to The Missing, a podcast series brought to you with support from the charity Missing People and investigation specialists Locate International. They've joined together to bring you 20 real stories, cases which they believe could still be solved. This is The Missing. Karen Milson. At one time or another, many of you might have thought about packing in the busyness of your life and settling for something quieter. For Claire McDermott, it was the arrival of her second child that prompted a change and a move to a new home in rural France. I was living on the Isle of Sheppey in Kent and it, I had my son Alex who was nine at the time. I was pregnant with my second child, my daughter Evie. I was a practice manager in the UK for a general practice and that was it was good. I liked my job but it was still a job that kept me away from the children. So. To be able to move to the most beautiful area, it's very rural France, 
It was just such a, an adventure and we thought, well, why not? And I've been here ever since. Claire's new life was in the Charente region of Western France. With cheap property prices and in an area not flooded by tourists, it was the perfect place for her and for her young children to grow up. Speaking little French, Claire knew it would take time to settle in. But she hadn't banked on another Brit living just up the road. Her name was Karen Milsom. She came to my house, actually, because she'd not long moved over and I'd only just moved here, but my son was going to the local school and she'd heard that and her son's the same age as mine. And so they, they all came round. I had baby in my arms, my nine-year-old son, and we just absolutely clicked from the second we started chatting. It's, it was just absolutely her sense of humour right from the start. We had exactly the same sense of humour, very, very sarcastic, but she, she would just absolutely make me die laughing. She was absolutely hilarious. And in 2004, she, she was exactly the same as she was in up until the day she left. She, she didn't change. From those simple beginnings, thrown together as two British families in a foreign country, their friendship grew and grew. Claire and Karen were in and out of each other's houses, never more than a phone call away, if either of them needed something. I think a lot of people, when they come out, they meet English people and it becomes like an English community. You do that, you get talking to people because they're English and then you find you have absolutely nothing in common and those friendships fall away. And, or you might just have the children in common and you keep friends with them for that. But with Karen, it was absolutely more than that. It was that her and I were the absolute best of friends. We would have barbecues, we would, we would go to cinema and, and her and I had this thing where if ever there was an, an English film, on at the cinema, it didn't matter what it was, we were going to go. And we would go and watch the most ridiculous films that we had absolutely no interest in, but we would just find it so hilarious. And we would sit there with a little bottle of rosé that we'd smuggled in, in a plastic bottle, two plastic cups, our nibbles, and we would just have the best time. And we would come out there and think, what the hell have we just done? Because it was, it were films that we just had no interest in. But it was the fact that we got out to just be me and her, to just be us and not mum or partner, and just have a laugh. But to be honest, anything that we did as a family, anything, we would always invite her. It was and Steve and the boys, but if it was to do with the children, it would be that she would be there. And like all good friendships, they were there for each other in times of trouble too. She, when we had bad times, she was there for me then. When I had an accident in a car, quite a serious accident, Evie was only three, um, I was quite badly injured and was at home and her and the two boys rode their bikes, which is probably about five or seven kilometres or something, just to spend the day with me so that I wouldn't be on my own and she could look after me. And that was the sort of thing she did. And the same with her. If ever she was feeling down and there were times when she'd go through some really bad times with work people treating her badly with work and and you'd just always be there for each other to have a cup of tea and just listen 
Those downtimes weren't common, but inevitably there were moments in Karen's life when she found that she wasn't totally content. There was a period when she found herself addicted to Facebook. It was constant that she was on there and she knew that it was affecting her family and she was concentrating more on that than, than the family and so we talked about it and she te- took a step back and she said, I'm going to come off Facebook completely because that was her personality, was our, it was all or nothing. On another occasion, it was a family emergency that put a strain on Karen. Her son had quite a bad motorbike accident. He was rushed to Poitiers to the, um, the hospital by helicopter and, and that was a really worrying time for her. He was absolutely fine. He ended up with no broken bones, nothing, but at the time it was very worrying. Then things started to mount up. She was very bored with her life, I think, really. She was going through the menopause and that was tough for her. She was looking after an old lady. Um, that was her job. And this old lady was was really quite rude to her at times. And there were times when she would just think, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Um, then they had a, an electrical fire at home. And this is all within a, a couple of months before, before she left. And this electrical fire could have been so much worse, but it was still another thing to add on to everything that she'd been going through. She was getting angry quite quickly, I think, and, and just feeling like she was on the edge. That It was just, everything was a bit too much. Claire remembers Karen as someone who didn't do half measures. When she was angry, you knew about it. When she was happy, that was obvious too. And in 2018, Karen was a little more volatile, slightly more on edge. She felt like she needed to to just get away. And she said, oh, I've booked a week to go and stay with my dad. And she was taking the boys. And so I thought, that's really good. That's good for her to get away, just to change her ideas, her mindset, go and and do some shopping. And when she came back, it... She didn't feel like she'd had um, a restful time. That's that's Karen's fault. <laughs> she's she's puts a lot of it. And I used to say to her, "You put all this stress and uh, stress and pressure on yourself. Nobody's saying to you rush here, there, and everywhere." But she wanted to see her friends. She wanted to to go shopping and get stuff for the boys, get stuff for um, herself. And she said it just felt like she was just non-stop. So she's come back. <laughs> Not really relaxed, although she was obviously pleased that she got to see family and that, but she, she hadn't felt relaxed necessarily. Nothing, it seemed, could shake the feeling Karen had of not being quite satisfied. She still had that, that nagging feeling of, of just being utterly fed up and bored and with her life. So the 19th of August was the Monday and I'd gone into work and I thought I was seeing her that evening and I got a phone call from a friend of mine who was a neighbour of the lady she's looking after and she says, Karen's not turned up for work this morning and so I got very worried and thought, well, that's not like her but I was at work, maybe she's had an accident in her car or her car's broken down but it's not like her to one, not turn up because she was the most conscientious person 
you could ever meet. She would never let anybody down. And she'd not phoned this woman and it was it was just all a bit strange. So I, I said to my friend, well, look, at lunchtime, I'll phone Steve and or try and phone Karen and see what's gone on. So I tried to phone Karen and she didn't answer, so I phoned Steve. And this was the, the Monday lunchtime and that was when he said to me, look, it's all kicked off at the weekend. She's decided she needs space. She wants to be left alone. It didn't surprise me. I thought, well, that's fair enough. It's been building up to this. She's, she has had enough and she needs time away. So, you know, that's absolutely fine. And hope, you know, leave her for a couple of days and she'll come back and it will go okay. Claire knows that in hindsight, it sounds like a mistake. But she's adamant that it felt very normal for Karen to just take herself away and want some time alone. She wouldn't routinely have left work, but this had been building and there was no part of Claire who thought anything other than Karen would be back in a day or two. The idea was not to contact her, that she just wanted space and wanted to be on her own. So I did contact her. I sent her a couple of WhatsApp messages that didn't get answered, didn't get looked at. I sent her a couple of text messages as well. But nothing. No reply. One day turned into two, and then three. But still, Claire didn't panic, because there was another detail about Karen's disappearance which added fuel to the idea that she was okay. On the weekend before she vanished, Karen and her husband Steve had argued. I never ever saw her and Steve out. I knew they did, they had clashes, but they never, they'd been married forever, but they never seemed to have a, a relationship that was ever difficult or or um, clashes. It was whenever I was there and around them, whenever I saw them, it was quite a good relationship. Steve's a really laid back guy. He's very, if it, if it was anybody, it would have been Karen that would be the mouthy one. There was nothing that I ever saw to make me think there was ever a problem between the two of them to that point that she would want to, to leave or do anything anything harmful to herself. Steve explained she'd been angling for a fallout over not very much and his account rings true to Claire, an argument over nothing that would have simply exasperated Karen's mood, the straw that broke the camel's back. But when Karen left, she didn't go empty-handed. She'd taken a large sum of money. Yeah, I think then, I can't remember the exact amount, but it was something like 4000 from um, Steve that he'd given her, and she had 2000 in cash herself. My theory then, when I was told how much it was, was that she's not just gone for a couple of days. You don't give somebody that much money to go away for a couple of days. It was more a, a month, a couple of months. So I just thought, she's she's gone and found Ajit somewhere, and he's just having a break and reflecting on things and deciding what she wants to do. And that, by all accounts, was that. There was nowhere to search, and there was no point. Karen had taken herself away to figure things out. That's what Claire, and many people in France, believed. But Claire did send the occasional message, on the off chance that Karen would see it and reply. Four weeks after going missing, that's exactly what happened. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. On the 14th of September, so that's almost a month, I just sent her a message to say, I know you want to be left alone, I promise I will. Just a quick message to tell you we love and miss you very much. I'd obviously love to hear back from you, but if you can't or don't want to for now, that's fine. I just hope you will one day soon. Take care of yourself. And she sent back, hi, Claire. Miss and love you all too. We'll be back in December to explain and sort things. Lots of love, Kay. I was utterly relieved utterly relieved because I thought okay she's okay she's safe she's well she just needs time apart I have no idea where she is no idea what she's doing but she's telling me she's coming back in December to explain things so I'll take that I'm happy with that the message was signed off in the usual way the letter K and three kisses that was what convinced me because she would sign it K, kiss, 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 and that would that 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 to me I had absolutely no doubt that that was from her. Of course, now I realise that anybody could have looked through the hundreds of messages that we had and seen that was exactly the way she would. So if somebody wanted to pretend it was her, that would have been a very easy thing to do. So was it Karen who sent the text message to Claire? Or was it someone posing as Karen? The friends and family in France didn't know. And Karen's family back in the UK and overseas, they were concerned too. Something didn't feel right to them. And their sense of unease was spreading. I was in regular contact with Steve. We were very often um, on the phone to each other and texting each other. Have you heard anything? Can you let me know if you do? And... He actually said to me, I think it was about three weeks after she'd gone, that she hadn't been replying to any messages or there was something to do with a phone that she'd taken. So she'd stopped using her phone and there was a different phone that she was using and then she'd stopped using that. And it all just sounded a little bit strange to me. I didn't like it and he didn't. And he said, do you think I should go to the police? And I said, yes, I think you definitely should go to the police, which is 
a difficult thing because what he's saying is my my wife has left me and I don't know where she is is she going to be treated as a missing person she's an adult she's perfectly entitled to go away if she wants to and not contact anybody but he did go and um and that sort of started the ball rolling into a huge investigation in France and an ongoing investigation in the UK The investigation in France followed the same protocols as in the UK. Officers started by gathering evidence. Very soon afterwards, I was asked to go in and give um, a statement. And as the facts were pieced together, so the intensity of the police presence grew. They did take it seriously, um, which surprised me, but that was a good thing because I thought, now it's in your hands. You, you deal with it, you find her. And even if she doesn't want to be found, you, you find her. And so it soon became clear that the local police were not equipped to be able to deal with this kind of investigation. And it got passed on to a more specific investigating team. I was given the name of one particular um, detective who I dealt with the whole way through and had to go and see him several times Specialist officers were brought in, forensic teams and search dogs. They expected to find a lot of Karen's DNA at her home. That was a certainty. But would they find blood? I do know that um, several times Steve and the house have been thoroughly investigated, forensically investigated. Uh, the foss has been emptied to see if there was any trace of her. Our phones were taken and analysed. Her calls were analysed. Her DNA was taken. And a, a full, huge investigation was done with absolutely no trace of her whatsoever. Steve would be telling us when they turned up in their forensic full white equipment with the um, the luminol, I think it's called, to see if there was any blood traces in the house, with the dogs that were cadaver dogs. They were there for days. But the searches, thorough and detailed inside and outside of Karen's home, found nothing to suggest what had happened. At the same time, phone records were being checked. Officers went through every conversation that Karen had had with Claire, to see if that could reveal where she'd gone. Obviously, we talked to each other in English, and so they had to have everything translated into French, and so they wanted us to explain specifics about what we had actually said, because things don't always translate in the same manner that you say it in one language into another. But there was no hint there either. Five weeks after Karen Milsom had vanished, and the police were baffled. There were times when I would just sit in front of this detective in floods of tears and just say to him, what is happening? Where is she? And he'd said to me, look, we've only we've got nothing to give you, nothing concrete that we can give you. All we can say is she either never left that house because nobody saw her go. We have no confirmation that she ever left that house. There's been nothing at all to say that she didn't leave the house either. No traces of any forensic evidence at all. That as far as I'm aware of, given from what the detective told me, 
to say that she didn't leave that house, but that's one scenario that she didn't. The other is that she's gone off with somebody. She's gone off with somebody and she's made a new life and she has left this whole life behind her. Neither theory made any sense to Claire. I struggle, I really, really struggle to believe that theory because I would have known. She would have told me. But what if she hadn't told Claire? The case was starting to get media attention, particularly in France. It wasn't headline news, but it was the talk of the region. Could that be preventing Karen from coming home? As it went on, and as her, her name became more and more known and the publicity, which is obviously necessary if you want her to be found, that to me meant that it was absolutely impossible for her to come back because she was such a proud lady. She's, she's somebody that would dread the thought of being talked about by anybody. She's a very, very private lady. So that would then prevented her from being able to come back because she would have been so utterly ashamed. Another possibility that the police had to raise was the awful suggestion that Karen could have taken her own life. I, I would never have thought that of her, certainly definitely not before she left. That's ne that never came into my head. It became a worry because her mum had committed suicide when she was an, a teenager. She never talked about it, she never wanted to. She said she'd moved on, it wasn't an, an issue to her. But when you know that, you then start to worry that is that something that she felt she had no choice and had to do and you you never know what people are thinking you can be there for them you can you can think that they've they trust you enough to tell you their their innermost darkest thoughts but do we ever know anybody that much the constant speculation was exhausting for claire a lack of answers that extended from weeks to months the investigation stalled with no leads. But then, somewhat out of the blue, a development. When Karen had left, she'd apparently taken the car with her. That hadn't been found. And in France's rural roads, there were no cameras to catch a glimpse of the number plate or alert authorities. So it was a huge surprise when Karen got in touch with Steve and told him to collect the car. The car turns up at the local train station and she'd sent a message to Steve to say, you can come and get the car. And so he did. So we were thinking, well, check CCTV then and see where she went. But there's no CCTV at that train station. Um, there's, she's not used bank cards here. She's not used her um, health insurance card. She's not used her passport. And there was nothing, no trace of anywhere that she's been, which would then show that where she was. All of the international possibilities were checked. Nothing led to where Karen might be. Investigators learned that in the last few weeks, Karen hadn't travelled far. Her phone, when it pinged mobile masts, had been in the same region. But exactly how close isn't reported. It's been two years since Karen Milsom disappeared. The questions over where she went and what happened remain unanswered. And the toll on Claire 
as well as everyone who knew Karen, remains heavy. Oh, I want to know. I want to know whether it's bad news or good news. I need to know because the not knowing is absolutely horrendous. It is like a living grief. And you, there are so many times when you'll think about her and remember the good times and that missing her and yet not being able to think you're definitely never going to have that again and you can go through the grieving process. You are on pause. You're just on pause. Your life is on pause where that person is concerned. I would rather know. I would definitely rather know. And if she is somewhere and just doesn't want to come back or doesn't feel like she can come back, just to let us know that that's how she feels, I'll take it. Even if it means I never have to see her again for the rest of my life. As painful as that would be and as painful as it is for the family, I'll take it. I've tried thinking that she will never come back, thinking that she is dead and it hurts too much. And then I tried thinking, well, no, I'm, I have no um, proof that she's not coming back. So all the time there isn't that proof, I'm going to keep that hope alive. And that keeps me going. But I'll drive past places that remind me of her and it's it hurts, it really, really hurts. I listened to a voicemail of hers today, which is the first time I've heard her voice since she left. <laughs> anyway, it'd be love. I'd be happy to come down. Anyway, bye, bye. It was so lovely to hear her voice, but it it just it hurts your heart, your heart actually. Pain in Claire's voice is obvious. Losing a friend with such a close bond is devastating. And Claire wants to use this podcast to let her friend know she's missed. I'd say, that's enough. Let me know, let anybody know that you're okay. And we can either take it from there, we can pick up when we left off, or we can leave it, it would be entirely up to you. But just let us know that you're okay, that you're safe. We miss you, we miss you desperately. We just need to know that you're okay. If you have any information on what happened to Karen, please come forward. We've put the details of this case on our website, themissingpodcast.org. On there, you'll find images and details, not just for this case, but for every case we featured on the show. There's also links where you can share vital information on these cases with the experts at Locate International. They've set up a team to investigate these cases and explore any information that comes in. And you'll find more information about the charity Missing People, who work tirelessly to support the families of the missing. Their helpline is open to offer support and advice if you've been affected by anything in this episode. We can't say this enough. It takes just one person with the right information to solve any of the cases in this series.
The Missing is a What's the Story original podcast series. It's presented by me, Pandora Sykes. The episodes are produced and edited by Jack O'Kennedy. The executive producers for What's the Story Sounds are Daryl Brown and Sophie Ellis. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Don't forget, if you want to hear The Missing completely ad-free and get them first, then join The Missing Plus. Your subscription helps to keep the show on air. It isn't funded by any major platform, and it grows purely by word of mouth and support from listeners. You'll get exclusive access to series you can't hear anywhere else, as well as early access to all episodes of The Missing completely ad-free. Signing up is really easy. Just search Missing Plus in Apple Podcasts or follow the link in the show notes.